Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to show number 272 from Engage for Success, uh, the not-for-profit movement which believes that there's a better way to work and looks to shine a light on best practice, um, explore evidence, share case studies, and um, as today, talk with interesting guests uh, around the topic. So today we're going to be talking about enterprise engagement. Uh, I'm Jo Moffat. I'm today's host. And for those who don't know me, I'm Managing Director and Founder of Woodread. And um, today I'm very pleased to be joined by a guest from uh, across the pond, as the, as the saying goes. So I'm looking, looking forward to talking with Bruce Bolger, who's joining us as President of the Enterprise Engagement Alliance. And today, we're going to be talking about the emerging field of enterprise engagement. So I think there's some, going to be some interesting nuances to explore with that. So welcome to the show, Bruce. Well, thank you very much, Joe. Uh, it's good to, good to have you. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about enterprise engagement, a little bit more of that in a moment, um, kind of define our terms and that kind of thing. But before we get into that, I wonder if you could just share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you, know, who you are and what your, what your professional background is, Bruce. Yes, uh, Joe, I've been on this quest of engagement for probably about 30 years, uh, 25 years, I guess. Uh, originally as editor and publisher of a U.S. trade publication called Incentive, uh, and this was back in the uh, last century. And in the 1990s, we began to do a bunch of research on engagement or what actually motivates people and how does that translate into ROI. And mm-hmm. we uncovered a bunch of research uh, that indicated a clear link between uh, the engagement of employees and customers and organizational performance. And in fact, as we'll discuss later, a lot some of this came out of uh, the UK. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, since then, in 2008, as a result of that, we created an organization called the Enterprise Engagement Alliance, mm-hmm. which is foster, which focuses on creating a formal curriculum and certification program on a systematic approach to engagement across the enterprise. Right, right here. Okay, so this is a field that you've certainly been been interested for a long time. Then clearly, um, so we're talking about enterprise engagement, and obviously. Um, you know, we are engaged for success and we talk about employee engagement. And those who, will, those who know me well will know that one of my bugbears is um, the amount of time we all spend debating terminology and whether we should be, you know, the most, the most latest one is one of the most recent things is, you know, should we be talking about employee experience rather than employee engagement? And I, and I kind of uh, feel that we spend a lot too, far too much energy debating terminology and not enough energy focusing on actually creating better outcomes for our businesses and our people. But let's start with the terminology anyway, uh, Bruce, and tell me what, how does enterprise engagement differ from employee engagement? What is it as a concept that you feel it demands a a different um, label? Well, actually the use of, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, Joe, which is a reason I'm involved with the International Organization for Standardization's efforts to create with, along with uh, the UK, a formal mm-hmm. nomenclature. But enterprise engagement uh, came about in 2008 simply because we realized there's a connection between employee engagement doesn't mean anything unless it makes the organization better. And it turns out that we need the engagement of customers. And employees mm-hmm. are critical to fulfilling the brand promise. So 
The only difference is that enterprise engagement looks at how you engage all stakeholders in a unified way so that everybody, uh, the customer expectations are similar to the employee expectations, are similar to shareholder expectations, uh, Mm -hmm. distributor partner expectations. So the only difference is that, hey, engagement isn't just important for employees. It's important for everybody. And you'll get better results from your employee engagement if you see the link. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, as um, in terms of my, my day job, which is at, at Woodread, we talk about a consistent brand experience yes. at all touch points. That's basically what you're talking about is a consistent brand promise, whether you're an employee, a customer, shareholder, partner, vendor, whatever it might be. Yeah. Joe, that is exactly why we call it enterprise engagement. So it doesn't mm-hmm. replace, uh, you know, and it's, it doesn't replace employee engagement. Employees are one of the key audiences of an enterprise-wide engagement strategy. Right. But, right. but customers are equally important, and they're linked. Mm-hmm. You cannot mm-hmm. fulfill a brand experience. In fact, the Brits invented a term that's now becoming popular in the States called brand engagement. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Brits in 1990s put up a Wikipedia post on that. I don't exactly know who, but uh, <laughs> who <does? and> now, <laughs> pardon me? Who does? Whoever knows who's behind Wikipedia <laughs> right. post. Yeah. Well, now the uh, Harvard Business Review just did a big article on, um, and you can Google it, on uh, on brand engagement by, by a leading brand expert here in the States named uh, Denise Lee Yon. Uh, and uh, she's espousing what you just said. This issue of success comes from organizations that have a clear brand and a mission and engage everybody uh, mm, in an mm. aligned way in that mission. Mm, mm. And, and, and deliver that brand consistently wow. as well. Okay, so, so tell me, um, we're talking, this will be, I promise this will be the last bit about labels and nomenclature and all the rest of it, but Way before I ever came across employee engagement, and I'm showing my I'm showing my age now, really, which is which is kind of bad news, but never mind. Um, <laughs> one of the things that sort of got me started on this journey was was Heskett and Al and the service profit chain. Yes. So you know, I, when I read about enterprise engagement, I'm reminded of that really because they they that whole service profit chain thing was about taking a a holistic view, wasn't it? Of one impacts the other, which impacts the other, which impacts the other. That is the first study. In fact, we have a one-page fact sheet uh, that, that kind of covers the whole history, and that is the Sears. Ironically, Sears now going bankrupt. Well, of but, course, yeah. Uh, uh, but they, the service value profit chain is a fundamental underpinning of enterprise engagement, without a mm. doubt. Mm, mm. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, you know, I still find myself coming back to it, actually, um, because it's so it, it it is such a, a solid piece of work, but uh, anyway, I think probably well, enough new about versions of it. terminal. Well, well, the new versions of it, Joe. Uh, if yeah. you check out Harvard Business Review, those folks are alive and well and doing more work. Right, good. That's good to know. I was at a conference last year actually where IBM had done some work with a UK bank, um, where they were actually sharing a case study of how they had used this case study with a UK bank to actually prove the validity and currency of the service profit chain so um yeah they're still they're still very much alive and kicking i think bruce um but so let, let's just talk a little bit about um about your connections with us as a movement in terms of engage for success How, um obviously our, our our fame has spread to the u.s you you've, you've kind of known 
about the movement for quite a while, I think, haven't you? Yeah, in fact, we I jumped all over it. I was so excited when I saw that. Um, I was there, you know, pretty much when uh, Nita Clark and uh, uh, that's Dave McLeod, and I've, I've not yeah. met Nita, but I've met Dave and mm-hmm. uh, several times. And um, and by the way, Dave has an advertising background, and I always oh, yeah. I said to him from day one, you know, sir, I, I'm surprised you have not brought the issue of brand into this because. Um, but that's an aside. So yes, I've been, in fact, our media properties have written about Engage for Success. We've interviewed your folks. Um, Mm -hmm. We were dismayed, of course, that the government, and we understood why, and with Brexit and all these things, but we were super excited that that had come out of your government. And uh, and I'm not saying this to be patronizing to our friends across the pond, but truly, Great Britain has led the way in this movement. There's no question they led the way in grand, uh, brand engagement in the 90s, or you have, and mm-hmm. um, you have led the way in employee engagement, and you're way ahead of the U.S. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting to hear. So I'd love to, uh, that kind of leads me on to not, something else I was going to ask you, really, was how do you see the situation in the States compared to the situation in the U.K.? When you say that we're, lead, we're, you know, we're, we're miles ahead, what... What prompts you to think that? Well, I think Engage for Success has been successful. Uh, mm-hmm. That it's certainly having a, originally a government back, now CIPD, with terrific people involved, mm-hmm. uh, with serious resources. There's no organization in the U.S. that's bringing people together. There's more of a go-it-alone culture here. You've got people that are very, you know, that push employee engagement here, push, uh, I'm not going to name names, but none Mm -hmm. of these people really seek to work together. Most of them see a benefit to being loners. We don't believe you can create a field by being loners. We believe you have to work together, and I think what's happened in the U.K. is proof that you get faster, better results when you work together than when you try to work as loners. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, Engage with Success is a, is a movement of an enormous range of people, very diverse people, actually, ranging from PLCs, public sector people, people like me, volunteers, of which there are numerous yep. ones who are sort of running their own consultancies and their own businesses. And, and then you've got people on the practitioner side of the fence as well. You've got people in a, um, uh, academic fields, um, employers' organizations, trade union movements. They all, they all come together in to some extent or another, um, under the banner of Engage with Success. So, yes, I can. I think you know, it's, it's certainly a success story in terms of how to create a, a movement rather than a, an organisation or a membership body or anything of that nature. But, okay, so you haven't got anything quite like that in the States. You've got various people uh, and organisations who will be saying similar sorts of things. But as a country, um, in terms of the workforce in the States, in terms of the workplace in the States, um, where do you see the country in terms of the employee engagement scale? It, you know, is is the workplace a good place to be in the states compared to the UK? Do you think, or worse? Well, I've had the good fortune. I have good friends in the UK uh, and good friends, and of course, I have a lot of experience in the US. But of course, I can't speak for either country. Mm. But I would say that. Um, the complexities of make we don't have time to discuss the complexities of what constitutes a good workplace. For instance, you have guaranteed vacation time of, I believe, mm-hmm. far more than we do. You have guaranteed mm-hmm. health care. We don't. 
Um, mm-hmm. You have better social, you know, more time off for maternity and paternity leave. So yeah. on all of those scales, there's not even a comparison. This is a freewheeling country. This really is the Wild West uh, in mm-hmm. many respects. Um, and But, so let me say this. I would say about 15% of CEOs in this country get it. They get that their people are important. They get that culture is important. They get that retention is important. They still don't know what to do because they haven't been taught about it in schools and our media does not write about it. The business mm-hmm. media does not write about engagement in any kind of serious way. And we don't have any associations that focus on it other than ours, which isn't even technically an association. It's an Mm. alliance. We have a a Mm. learning platform. But So the difference is huge. But here's what is interesting. We may actually, ironically, even though we're way behind you and we will never come up to your standards of organization and unity, ironically, the profit motive in this country is so powerful that – and the economic pressures to do this are becoming so big that I think we could actually surprise people in the next five to ten years uh, because there's some very powerful economic and uh, ISO forces and mm-hmm. shareholder pressures. Mm-hmm. That and, and the way things happen in this country, Joe, it's sort of like when, a, when something catches fire, like watch out. Right, right, yes. So right now you're way ahead, and and I wouldn't even compare the workplace between the Mm. the average workplace in the U.K. It has to be better in most Mm. cases. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly, yeah, there are are a lot of sort of, um, there's a a stronger legal framework for employee protection here than perhaps you have in the States. But, But actually, a lot of the time, it's still around culture, isn't it? It's about how does it feel? to go to work, what's it feel like to work for this boss, that boss, what's it feel like my day-to-day job? Um, and that's the things that, that so often actually this, it's, it's playing around with those things that can actually make an enormous difference. Um, because, of course, in the States, you know, it, you're, you've got to compare apples with apples, haven't you? There's no point really comparing an organization, comparing the States with the UK. It's actually comparing a, a company or an organization in the States yeah. with another company or organization yeah. in the States. And, and, and it's interesting, you talk about shareholder pressures and the profit motive and so on. I think it's BlackRock, isn't it, I think, who are um, work. I was reading about BlackRock a few weeks ago who have written to the organizations that they are investing in and are saying to CEOs that we are seriously considering our investment strategy and focusing more closely on organizations who have a clear purpose. So then and not just chasing the profit but actually have a clear purpose and I think that that will be interesting to see what the impact of that is is that something you've you've come across Bruce? oh Joe yeah it's huge in fact there are multiple multiple pressures that are really exciting and um, I don't even know where to begin uh, last year an organization called the human capital coalition of 25 u.s. pension funds that have assets of over three trillion that's with a tr trillion dollars filed a petition with the securities exchange uh commission it's i don't know your Mm -hmm. equivalent of the organization that manages your stock markets and whatnot and uh, they have requested they requested um that companies be required to disclose their human capital investments including engagement and training and communications and diversity mm-hmm. and community 
and that uh, that it be required in the filings um, in the same way that public companies have to disclose uh, uh, their uh, investment in R&D, research and development. Uh, that they received that that request, uh, which was now about a year ago, received mm-hmm. 37 favorable comments. There was only one negative, and that was from a Brit who I will not name, who. Uh, <laughs> who objected to, to the standard not including an objective way to do this that included his methodology. But that, ironically, that was the only oh. negative comment. But right. on top of that, you have 200 companies that have joined together, and these are huge companies. Fortune in our country, you know, parlance would be Fortune 500 companies, mm-hmm. uh, but multinationals that uh, form the Social and Human Capital Coalition, and they are voluntarily developing pro- protocols for such disclosures, and companies are beginning to make them. Alibaba recently um, issued a, a disclosure. It wasn't very detailed, but it was, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying. And right. then finally, uh, to wrap up, I mean, I could actually talk a lot about this because there's a lot of pressures coming. Uh, but uh, So there's a 200 of those companies in the Social and Human Capital Coalition that are now forcing these disclosures or willingly going to mm-hmm. do it. And then finally... Mm-hmm. ISO is coming up. We'll be releasing right. standards for disclosures in the next two months. So, yes, Joe, I think that which gets disclosed um, is gets focused on by CEOs. Yeah. And, and with Joe, we know this. Without CEOs getting it, all of this discussion is moot. You have mm-hmm. to have the CEO and backed by the board recognizing that human capital is the most valuable asset today. It's mm-hmm. the value-add asset today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. It's very interesting. So there's the profit motive is incredibly powerful. Shareholder pressures increasingly saying you've got to disclose this. Organizations influencing people to disclose. Which uh, So you, you were saying you know, what you disclose, you, you worry about it. It's that same, that old, it's the, the development of the phrase, isn't it? What 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 gets measured gets actioned, yes. you know, um, and <laughs> yes. it's sort of taking that taking that on a bit. So so do you think those trends are are going to create a groundswell that will become unstoppable? Well, um, one would like to think so, uh, but I've been at this for so long, and there have been so many what I would call in, in hiking parlance or rambling parlance, you might call it false summits. <laughs> Uh, where you think you're at the top and then you realize, oh, my gosh, no. And I think we still have um, three to five, seven years to go because I think it's going to be a generational change that's going to really bring it along. The new Mm -hmm. next generation of CEOs, for instance, you ask whether whether it's good to work for companies in the U.S. Well, let me tell you this. If you're in technology, healthcare, if you're in a a desired field right now in New York City right now, you're darn right it's good to work for them. You're earning a ton of money. You're getting a lot of vacation time compared to other people in the U.S. You're getting great mm-hmm. health care. There's a tremendous labor shortage in this country right now. And young management, they still don't know what to do. That's the big mm. problem. No one has learned I how. Come, I was going to come on to that and ask you about that in a moment, actually. Well, yeah. okay. well, we'll get to that in a minute. But just to wrap up, um, I think it's going to be a generational change. And in the SEC filing that I referred to before, mm-hmm. one of the one of these statements was from a professor who has so many um, <laughs> initials, uh, acronyms next to his name, I can't distinguish this, distinguish that from Stanford University, who essentially says, we are going to need a new generation of leadership that's focused on people instead of prof- process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, not profits, you know, 
the bottom line is this is all about profits. This is capitalism. Yes, it so happens it's a virtuous circle and that mm-hmm. everybody gets a better experience when everybody's engaged in a mission uh, that it, you know, etc. But at the end of the day, this is a capitalist system and it's about efficiency and improvement of performance. So would you say, Bruce, I mean, you talked about tech, healthcare, these sort of, um, you know, the sort of sunrise sectors. Um, it's a great place to work and people have got good terms and conditions and everything else. Um, is it going to be that the economy is going to be increasingly driven by those new sectors and that's why things will become get better? Or... Is it that you anticipate that some of the older industries, the sort of heavy industry, the, um, you know, the sort of harder industry that traditional um, industrial economies are, are based upon, that they are going to get it as well? Or are they, are they just never going to get it? Oh, no, there are tremendous pressures on manufacturing. And, and one of the things that's not well known is that manufacturing is alive and well in the U.S. and actually coming back in many respects because of automation and artificial intelligence, which mm. I'll mention in a minute, is actually one another positive factor. Uh, but no, what's happening, no, ISO, interesting, the International Organization for Standardization recognized in 2012 that they had overlooked the critical issue of people in all of their standards, and they developed an arcane new requirement called Annex SL, and that is now a requirement in 60 standards, including ISO 9001, quality management, which is, of course, an industrial and manufacturing and logistics standard, and, yeah. but also in safety, 45001, 45001 safety standard, it is now a requirement in that as well. And these systems require, and these are the words, that the CEO, the CEO must be in charge of a strategic and tactical strategy to address the interests uh, of all uh, or the, the needs of all interested parties. In other words, enterprise engagement. And mm-hmm. they're quite specific. And, um, and there are now new ISO 10018 standards that are designed to essentially provide the same benefit of a systematic approach that was brought to quality to people management, and that, I think, is a great place to, to, to stop for a second and, and really talk about why companies have not gotten employee engagement right. We only have a few okay. minutes left, and I'd love to address we do. that. We do. We haven't got long. So, yeah, let's do. Please, please, please let's share that then, Bruce. Well, the perspective of enterprise engagement would say that the reason we have not improved employee engagement over the last 10 years or 15 years since that buzzword came about Mm-hmm. is because companies, A, the CEO isn't in charge. The CEO has not embraced it in most companies. It cannot be done by HR. It, mm-hmm. It's really more marketing, and, a, and it really has to be driven by the brand and by you know, the CEO. And then number two, it's because companies uh, don't apply a systematic approach because it's not taught in schools. It's mm-hmm. really very much like the quality management, and I'm going to date myself now, but I'm a man, can I? so I'll do that. Um, I was a young man as a business journalist in the 80s when the quality management was coming about, working for a trade publication that covered that. And yeah. it was chaos. It was just like you said, everyone was no total quality management, the quality circles, it was all these buzzwords mm-hmm. going oh, on. Yeah. 
And then ISO came along and said, no, what we need is a system. They were engineers. We've got to connect the dots. We've got to have mm-hmm. a system. So the same applies. Those same engineers, in, you know, 20 years later went, holy cow, we left out that systematic approach. Uh, and I can already tell from what you said at the beginning part of this call about what your organization does, you know that when a CEO says, okay, this is mission critical to our organization, we've got to have a system in place, we've got to embed it into our culture, and everybody has to own it, and then we're going to you know, have a plan, it's going to be written, strategic and tactical, and we're going to measure it, and we're going to involve everybody in it, you know you're going to get a better result than if you do what most companies do today, pay lip service to it, and then use bright, shiny objects. Oh, let's mm-hmm. do an employee engagement survey. Oh, let's mm-hmm. put up a ping pong table in the lunchroom. Yeah. Uh, oh, let's give them uh, an extra half day off on Fridays. No. It's, and I'm now done with my uh, preaching here, but to us what's lacking is a knowledge and recognition that it's a systematic approach. And what I think, Joe, will change it is ISO. You know, mm-hmm. No one's ever heard of our organization, but ISO is well-respected, and it's so logical to apply a systematic approach. Most companies already are doing what they need to do. They just need to better align it and have better leadership and measurement. Uh, so everything is in place, Joe, but it may still be a false summit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, going back to our hiking analogy. Yeah, okay. So we've, we've only got a few minutes left. So tell me um, – you touched on it earlier, artificial intelligence. How, you know, what, how's that going to help then? Well, help is a strange word, uh, and I'm watching the clock here. Uh, at my, my son graduated uh, as an engineer, and there was a, uh, a former student uh, from Columbia, uh, where I proudly say my son <laughs> graduated, who was from China, who was predicting that 50%, he, he thought this would go over well with the U.S. audience, he predicted that 50% of all jobs would be wiped out the next 10 years by, by uh, artificial intelligence. Um, right. Obviously, that did not go over so well. But we all forget that 50% of all jobs that we know have been wiped out over the last 10 years anyway, right? There used yes. to be photo shops. There used to be um, all, uh, you know, audio cassette players, fax machines. Yes. Yeah, we, a, we used to go and hire videos from video rental shops, didn't we? Exactly. So yeah. what, what this professor, this gentleman did say, he says that the jobs that are going to remain that aren't done by machines are the jobs of the heart. And what all of the, the jobs that connect and make an emotional connection between an organization and uh, people. Because at the end of the day, people will still buy things and people will still sell things and interact. And so what... Um, it's impossible to say how much artificial intelligence will speed up the natural change that, uh, that the Industrial Revolution and then the, all of the other revolutions since have done in terms of mm. destroying old jobs. And how, mm. to what extent will they be replaced? We never knew before, and they always got, we now have 3.6% unemployment rate in the U.S. So I think that um, the, what we do know is that all of the research shows is that when a customer most customers want to do things on their own, but as soon as they're unhappy, they want help. And the more they're unhappy or, or had need something, the more help they need. And the better a company responds at that moment, that's where magic comes into play that turns into customer loyalty, um, customer retention, referrals, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's always a, it creates opportunities for people to do what people are good at. Voila, which is being yeah. human. 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. I know. Uh, I was, yeah, I was going to say I was talking at an event the other week where I was sort of saying very much this. You know, it, all it does is free us up to do the things that we can do as humans, um, and that's really, really important. We've got two minutes left, Bruce. I want to ask you one quick question. We're doing a little bit of a campaign with Engage for Success, which is hashtag One Change, and I'm asking people to think about what one change would you make to improve employee engagement um, or perhaps in the light of what your, where your interest lies, what one change would you make to improve enterprise engagement? And tell me, the, tell me that. And then if you would like to um, record that on your smartphone and post it on LinkedIn or email it to me, um, we'll share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. So we're trying to get some views. What would you say to that? Yeah, and I'll say this applies to employee engagement and to engagement across the enterprise. CEOs of the world, presidents of the world, prime ministers of the world, you are the ones that need to understand that people are our world's most critical asset and that there needs to be a systematic approach to managing that precious asset. So it's the CEOs and our organizational leaders that have to wake up. Right. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. As always, our time has flown by and we are completely out of time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bruce, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for sharing uh, your insight around enterprise engagement. It's been really fascinating. Um, thank you again and goodbye, thank everybody. You. Goodbye. Thank you, Joe. Good. Thank you. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.